The New York Giants lose another game. What went wrong this time? Stick around. We're going to talk about it coming up next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. And thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day, or if you're watching on YouTube, where, by the way, we're about eight subscribers away from the magic number of 1,000. So thank you, everybody who's jumped on board. Um, thank you for making us your first watch of the day. And uh, unfortunately, folks, we have another Giants embarrassing loss to talk about this one to the Los Angeles Chargers 37 21 the score not as close as it indicates um I think the Giants with 14 points in garbage time but uh here to help me break it all down is David Turner and David Turner of course is going to hopefully talk me off the ledge and talk a lot of you <laughs> off the ledge which is a lot to ask for but uh, you got the wrong co-host for that <laughs> <laughs> David, we let, let, let's let's start with the overall, you know, approach here. I mean, what did you think of this game plan coming in uh, by Freddie Kitchens? I mean, I thought they would feature Saquon a little bit more than they did. Saquon had, uh, let me see, sixteen carries. I know you you've been a proponent of getting him like twenty to twenty five. 64 yards, uh, a long of 13. I know the run blocking wasn't great, but, you know, just overall, what were your thoughts about this game plan? Well, I mean, as far as Freddie Kitchens goes, y'all know I'm not a fan of him. Mm -hmm. So I don't see much game plan. I see play calling. And that's a different thing. Like you, any, a lot of people, and I shouldn't say this, at the NFL level, a lot of people cannot call plays and have any success, okay? It's very difficult. In college football, I believe there's good play callers. They know they they can recognize defense, they can call plays, and there's effectiveness in their play calling. And that, to me, is what Freddie Kitchens is really good at, all right? In the NFL, you have to build on plays. You, like you said, you have to have a game plan. They can't just be like, well, I'm going to run the ball. How are you going to run the ball? How are you going to attack it? What's going to build on what and this and that? Freddie Kitchens came out play action passing more than I would have anticipated because he didn't establish a run. And it's not like this run game is a beast where people are just overly prepared for the run game. And then, you know, you can come out play action pass because they're loading the box and stopping the run and have success with it. I mean, Shepard didn't even have his first catch till the third quarter. I think four minutes into the third quarter. And I don't even know if he was targeted before that. So, you know, let's be honest here. I didn't see much of a game plan on offense. The defensive game plan. Well, it's what it's been all year. Ben don't break, get to the red zone and try to, you know, stop them there. Not a lot of success with it today, giving up 30, 37 points. Uh, but there was some decision-making on offense and by Joe Judge on special teams that backed that defense up into some bad positions as well that I'm sure we'll get into when we get through it all. So, you know, all in all, Mike Glennon is Mike Glennon. He's awful. Um, 
you know, he did throw for 191 today and had 17 completions. And God bless the receivers. They worked for every one of those. Um, you know, often missing, again, back behind the receivers or high, making receivers work to catch and, you know, secure the ball, which is very hard for receivers to continually do, after, you know, it's like being a catcher in baseball. If you don't know where the ball's coming, I mean, there's a lot of them are going to go hit the backstop because you just don't know where it's going. These guys throw so hard, you're not sure which way it's going to come out. And these receivers don't have any consistency at that quarterback throw right now. So it's very, very hard on them. Um, so yeah. and with, with Saquon, I mean, yeah, he ran the ball 16 times. I thought they would – and Booker ran the ball, you know, eight times. Both of them being effective, I thought they would just, you know, pound the rock a little bit better in the first half, keep the defense fresh and let them, you know, compete with the Chargers in the second half. But the time of possession really wore out that defense because, I mean, they were on the field – I want to say three-fourths of the game. I'm sure you got the stats there on time of possession, but they were on the field for most of the game, it seemed like, every time I turned on. And partially that's because the offense couldn't stay on the field, but also partially that's the way the defense is being called. So, mm-hmm. 34 minutes and 20 seconds to be exact. So that was a lot. They they were, you know, to use a, a Dave quote, their tongues were dragging on by the end of that game. But sticking with the offense, I got to ask you about this because, you know, the coaches talked about getting Kenny Galladay more involved. Now, I went back and I just looked up his numbers. This week, he was uh, eight targets, two receptions, 15 yards. All together over the last three weeks, 20 targets, eight receptions. That ain't number one production type. What's going on with Kenny Galladay that you can see? Is it the routes that they're asking him to run? Is it him? What's going on there that he hasn't been more effective? Uh, for me, it's the routes that are being run. They're not, again, when you have Daniel Jones in there, to me, you have to have more of a vertical concept route tree um, and route combinations, I should say, when you're using Daniel Jones. And most of them should be in between the numbers. You know, um, we don't see that. And then Gallad- Galladay, when Freddie's been calling the plays the last couple of weeks, it's hard to kind of get after him because, you know, again, Glennon's been throwing and he's been missing so much that it's hard to say, you know, it's Galladay because, you know, Glennon is just so bad. And, and I'm not trying to rescue Galladay here or, or Freddie, but Glennon, I kind of think limits a lot of what you can call and what you can do because he's just not able to, I mean, even when he ran in that late touchdown, did you see like what a Sally he was? I mean, he, I mean, the commentators, I don't even know who it was. The commentators on TV were just ripping him for being such a sissy going in there, not trying to get the touchdown. It was protecting himself. And if I get the touchdown, good. But if not, whatever. It's like you don't have that, like I've said for weeks, you don't have that fight, that hunger, that want to win on this, you know, on this field at all moments and all times. Let's go do this. And uh, honestly, that that run by Glennon at the end uh, there kind of, you know, kind of showed it. But with Galladay, back to your question. I don't know if it's him or this offense. I pretty much, I think it's more the offense. Even when Jason Garrett was here, they didn't call plays for him. They didn't target him. And I, I you know, with the limitation of Glennon, I, I don't see Freddie doing much of it either. 
And of course, we still don't know what's going to happen with Daniel Jones. The latest update on Daniel is uh, he will have another MRI, I believe on Monday. Head coach Joe Judge was asked about that. And he said he was under the impression that Daniel was going to fly back to New York on Sunday night, which is when we're recording this, by the way, he would have another MRI on Monday and they would see where he was at regarding that neck. So who knows if he's going to be back or, or not, you know, you look at him and he can move fine. He, he can throw the ball fine. I guess, you know, it's just, there's concern about him taking a hit there. So, you know, it's just staying on the quarterback uh, question here for a second, David, a lot of fans want to see Jake Fromm, who at this point I think has had about what, six practices, full practices with the team and, you know, however many meetings at next week, if Daniel Jones can't go, would you at this point start from against the Dallas Cowboys and that defense, or would you stick with Glennon or, you know, what do you do? I think we're going to see both of them no matter what, because Micah Parsons is hunting out there. He (laughs) he's hunting. So, uh, you know, I don't care who starts. I don't think that same quarterback is going to finish. I mean, I'm the being guy honest. you wanted, by the way. You remember that, yeah? Of course. <laughs> I wanted Rashawn Slater, who played, by the way, pretty good for the Chargers. So, no, he 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 did. But uh, for me, Parsons would have made this defense even better. And if they could have got Ojolari like they did in the second round, and Parsons in the first, now your pass rush would have just been ridiculous for years to come with those two young bucks, uh, you know, stacking the edges. And uh, and Roman Roman free, it's just um, it's silly. But uh, again, I, Dave got a king's ransom for his pick, um, you know. And and but he's gonna have to face Parsons now, or the Giants are gonna have to face Parsons now twice a year for many many years to come. So that was the hard part for me to pass up when I know my divisional opponent was eyeballing him, you know, to give him that weapon. That's hard because Mike is a kid who really is a game changer. He's gonna be rookie defensive you know, a player of the year and everything. I mean, he's just outstanding. So, mm. Hey, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contract and there's no need to buy multiple devices. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. All right, let's switch to, you know, we we talked a little bit about the coaching. I want to stay on that for a second, the conservatism and Joe Judge in his presser, postgame presser, did you know it wasn't all roses and sunshines as it was last week, you know. But that said, you know, he commented about how he didn't see guys quit. I mean, I don't know. I I thought towards the end there some guys were quitting. You know, they were just kind of mailing things in. Um, what did you see uh, when you when you watched it? Well, when you watched the crossing route, um, who was it? Guyton. I think it was Guyton ran across and out against Bradbury, caught the ball and turned it upfield. And then right at the end, when Bradbury could tell somebody else was going to make the tackle, he just let up, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that to brag on or bag on Bradbury, but you know, if you're a team full of, you know, people that are fighting until the end and going to, you know, be there and 
you, you keep, you know, Bradbury would have finished that playoff. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't see a team like I've told you for weeks now lining up ready to, you know, go after it and, and make a difference. I see a defensive line in front that are trying their ass off, but the way this defense is being called where it's bend don't break, they're just taking way too many reps. And, you know, then when they get into the red zone, it's time to, you know, kind of suck it up buttercup and get after it. They're tired. It's already been a 10 or 12 play drive. And, and then they have to go to work in the red zone. It's hard. And I'll be honest with you. I think it would have got really sick if, if uh, what's the running back Eckler didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Eckler was on pace in the first half to have a really insane game. I mean, he ended up with 67 yards and a touchdown. And I think he had a couple of receptions too. Um, and if that kid was around in the second half when this defense was, you know, tongues out hanging, it would have been uh it would have been a different make a different ball game even than it was. And to your point, you know, I'm looking at the drive uh, chart here. The chargers had three of their drives. They had 11 drives total. Three of them were double digits. And in the second half alone, they had two of their first three drives went for 10 yard. uh, I'm sorry, 10 plays and 11 plays. So yeah, if that defense looked gassed at the end of the, you know, towards the end of the game, there's your reason why. And that, that to me is surprising. Now you've been mentioning, you know, the way the defense has been called and and how, you know, it's the bend, but don't break. So if you were calling it, how would you structure it? Yeah. All right. No, we're in zero coverage and we're coming. Dogs are off. Leashes are off. They're coming hunting. We we're, we're living and dying by the sword. It's the way it goes because I'm not one to sit back and do anything in life that way. It's just not, it's not in my DNA. You know, once you get to play six on a chart, if you're at play six and it's like third and five, we're coming. There's going to be a double A gap mug. We're going to, you know, come from the corner. We're bringing extra. We're going to get to your quarterback. Everybody's going to know it. And it's going to be, can you figure out who's coming and get the ball out of your hand fast enough? So identify it and get the ball fast enough before my guy hits your quarterback. Because you're not going to be able to block him up. And that's what I would do because, you know, once you get to play six, seven, and eight, you know, your defense is tired. Your rotation is, is in, you got to get off the field. That is too much time on your, the field for your defense. I know I'm, I'm realistic. Not everything's going to be three and out. Like I get it. You know, those are rare, rare defenses where you're a constant three and out. But if you can't get off the field with eight between play six and nine, either with a field goal try or, off the field with a punt, you know, you got to start blitzing. You got to bring more. Yeah. And, you know, they lost uh, Leonard Williams to, excuse me, an elbow injury. And I'm just taking a look at the stats here real quick. Um, Two, let me see. Yeah. Two sacks. Uh, Let's see. They had Dexter Lawrence had one. Ojalary had one. Um, Let me see. They only had four tackles for a loss. Six quarterback hits, no interceptions. They this is the second straight game they didn't have any takeaways, and only one pass defense. That passing defense was to put it in a word. Nice word. Um, <laughs> the English degree coming to you, sir. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, remember on Michael Strahan day we talked about that defense um, rolling up coverage, playing zero, being more aggressive and blitzing. I don't know why they got away from that. 
I really don't. Like, that looked like a Giants defense. Was it two or three games ago? Like, we came on here, and we were all excited about how that defense finally was, you know, rolling up coverage. But today, I mean, they were off coverage, giving up those three, five, seven-yard freaking pass plays, like just super easy outs and things. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And then the, once that started happening, then they started running, you know, San Diego started running the crossing routes. And it looked like the old school you know, New Orleans Saints offense because that's where they got it from, right? And it was just like, oh, man, sit that backside zone and let them play robber. But no, you're not. You, you're making now. Now you're sitting here making Bradbury run across the field. I mean, it's a rare trait for any corner in the NFL to be able to cover a guy like Guyton, who's a four three nine speed across the field. You got to have that front. You got to have that that robber on the front side as the Carson Ross coming across, just to help him to you know negate the throw. Or if the throw happens across the middle, you got an extra guy that he's going to run into to tackle. But when you're on the backside and you have that, it's like, man, that's just stupidity. You know, that's just stupidity. And I know I've been doing this a long time, so maybe the listeners are like, what's he talking about? And, I, you know, but I'm telling you all, like, you can't have corners. I don't care if it's Revis or not. When you know their crossing routes are coming like that, it's super hard to cover a cross field when a guy is running away from you. In that in that moment, it's a rare trait. Guys like Deion Sanders can do it. Revis can do it on certain guys. But when you have a guy like Guyton, who's a four three, doing it, it's hard as heck. You got to you got to play better zone on the on that one. And you know we just didn't see it today. We didn't see it at all. And we and I, and I don't see disruption at the line of scrimmage with press coverage and working their you know two man and different things in there. It's just not. It's just not prevalent, and I don't like, you know, I've said it for weeks. I don't like this bend-don't-break defense. The one time I thought we saw real giant defense was that Michael Strahan day game that we had a few weeks ago. That, to me, was giant defense. Well, they had to because Michael was there. I mean, they weren't going to let Michael down. but um, They let so, Eli down. They let a yes, huge egg when Eli was I know. There. Oh, gosh, so, yes. I mean, shoot. The gap tooth could, you know, take one for the team, too. I don't care. <laughs> But um, yeah, I just I like I said that's the only game this whole season I saw giant defense was that game. Yeah, you know something I don't ask you about uh, on a weekly basis, but I got to bring it up because this to me this has been a problem that hasn't been talked about a lot, and that's special teams, particularly the punting, which is driving me crazy because Riley Dixon has not been good now for I want to say two years, and. You know, I don't know. It just seems like ever since Joe came to the Giants, I mean, before he was here, Tom Thomas McGay, he had that unit, pretty much a well-oiled machine. And it just, I, I'm not saying Joe's influence has made it worse. Maybe it's just coincidental, but Riley Dixon has been awful. I mean, you got a couple guys who stand out. Cam Brown is pretty good. Keon Cross has been pretty good. But for the most part, that you those units are just you know again to use the word I used before. It's a, it's a good word. You, you get a lot of use out of it tonight. <laughs> um, for me, you know, special teams in the NFL has been completely neutered. So you know, it's a situation where you know every kickoffs in the end zone, and they're you know starting to. I don't know why they like up in the CFL when I worked up there. You could the office could just take the choice either get a kickoff or take the ball to twenty five. We should just do that now because the actual the actual kick 
and then touchback is ridiculous. Like it's really a, it's just an extra timeout for the TV to run another commercial. That's all it is. Because you notice after they play, you know, they, they get done with the scoring, the extra point, they do a commercial, they come back for the kickoff, they go to another commercial, and, and it's just like, okay, so it's an extra commercial break. How about you just have the offense start at the 25 and let's go. Like get rid of kickoffs at this point because you're completely neutered. It, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, and as far as punting goes, you know, punting is a, is a skill. It's a skill. I learned that when I worked with uh, Shane Leckler. And I mean, that, that man can make do turn, get that ball to turn over and do things. It was crazy. Uh, it was really insane watching him punt and practice and uh, all the practices he would do. But with, you know, with Joe coming over, I had hopes that the, the there'd be some trickerations that were fun to watch. There would be some, you know, like maybe four or five times a year, you'd be like, oh, that was cool. You know, look at that. Wow, where did he draw that one up, you know? But uh, we haven't seen any of that. It's just been vanilla, and it is what it is. It's nothing exciting. And today when they threw that pass, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, seriously. You know, I've been saying that since JG called, like, plays. I was like, stop with all the trickeration crap. Like, you know, like, at this point, you just need to line up and play football. And when they threw that pass on special teams, I think I can't remember. Help me out here. It was a fourth and three, if I remember I correctly. So. I think so. And they have, I'm like, dude, on a fourth and three, and you got Shepard, you got Galladay, you got Ingram, you have Rudolph, you have Barkley, you have Booker. If you, I mean, you have your horses. The only one that didn't play today, if I remember, is Tony. So you have your accoutrement of players on a fourth and three run a freaking rub route slant and get the three yards. Like, you know, get your best goal line pass route and let's go or flip the ball to, you know, Shaq and or, or to Barkley and tell them to go, you know, go get it on a wide zone stretch or something or, or Booker put Booker and Barkley in the backfield together and make them guess what's going to go on. Like, you know, there's so much they can do and they don't do it. And I'm, I'm confused to why. And then they go to the punter throwing the ball. It's just like when Tony was in the game, they'd have Tony start throwing the ball. And I'm like, why? Tony is more dangerous running the damn route. You know, he's more dangerous with the ball in his hand than throwing. Like, why don't you just get him in space and let that jitterbug create and go? I don't get why we're doing all this. You know, and then on offense, we go double reverse pass into a screen. Like, they weren't setting up a down-the-field shot. It was a double reverse to a screen. What? Like, if you fake the players out to go on the first reverse, they're sitting there. And that's exactly what we saw. They did a great job selling the first reverse. Players were sitting over on that side of the defense. And then they give the ball back to the quarterback, and he's supposed to throw a screen where they faked everybody to run to made no sense no sense at all so that's the kind of play calling that when it happens i'm like damn it freddie like what are you doing well you don't know if that's freddie or joe could be be no 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 i'm not talking about the punting pass that was joe i'm talking about the offensive double reverse to a screen pass that was freddie 
<laughs> which, like, which Joe probably signed off on, but you know, nonetheless, yeah. Nonetheless, head just, Like I told you, again, I'm aggressive. I would just be like, hey, quarterback runs, all these cheesy plays like this are done. Like we're not doing them. If you can't win a game without that, with the personnel we have, what are we doing? And did you see Cream Puff get thrown out of the game quick? Cream Puff didn't play that much. I think it wasn't, I don't know if Solder was injured or not, but he he didn't play well either. You know, look, if we're going to, we're going to rag on Matt Pear, you know, you got Hold Matt, on, wait a minute, timeout. The Cream Puff started the game and he blew like three assignments. He didn't in the start first- the game. Soldier started it. Are you sure? Because he was positive. I'll I'll double check here. Let me see. Because I thought he started the game and blew like three assignments. Nope. Nope. Soldier started it. When he he did uh he had a couple of series, and I you know he he was like a turnstile you know. Oh, they both were. They both were. And and pair. I know whiffed on one word because I because I remember going. I remember cringing when he just. You know, the guy ran by him and blew up Saquon in the back backfield. Um, and then they put Solder back in there and Solder was still like a, a, a turnstile. So, you know, that offensive line, look, we know the, the deal with that offensive line. It's it's I would say four fifths of those guys are not going to be back next year. The only ones worth keeping is Andrew Thomas and Andrew Thomas, by the way, tweaked his ankle. Uh, the right ankle, the, which is the one that landed him on IR. So that's something to watch this coming week. God help us all. So, but anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I just... Again, game planning, Patriots, Monday night, terrible weather, six offensive line on 70% or 80% of the snaps, and they threw like freaking six passes. Win the game. Giants, use six offensive linemen. Why? There's no need. Why not? Just let the quarterback get pounded the whole damn game. It's not working. Hasn't been worked. You know, you don't keep tight ends in, you don't, it's always just block with five, which if I was Dave, I literally would be losing my ever loving mind on the coaches. I would, I, I, the halls would echo with my voice. If I was Dave, like they just would. And if people didn't care, I wouldn't care because people are on the street asking for my job and you're calling five man protections. You're calling five-man protections, and we've been proving for freaking 13 games we can't do it. And they're calling for my job because you're calling five-man protections. Well, I mean, to be fair, the coaches could turn around and be screaming at Dave for not giving them, you know, for not making sure he, he had a stacked-up offensive line. So, I mean, it works Absolutely. And I'm not going to save him on that one, but at the same time, when you're in the middle of a surgery, if you nick an artery, guess what you do? You have to fix it. You sew it up. You're the surgeon. Sew it up and then continue on the rest of the surgery and keep it moving. That's when you're in the season, you're in the middle of a surgery. You're not, you can't just stop and say, oh, I don't have the right tools. You got to finish. You got to figure a way through this. So again, for me, if you're a coach and you're in the NFL and you're the best in the business, you need to figure it out. And a lot of coaches in this business do figure it out. That's why they're winning. Personnel is not going to be perfect at all. You're going to make time. It's going to, you just can't pay them all. You can't pay them all. 
You know, and I, I've told you week after week, the one the one thing Dave did not do and that staff did not do is prepare this since the draft. I've said it. They've not prepared this offensive line, right? The offensive line is a one week spot. So knowing that, run your six offensive linemen in, use them in rundowns, open some holes for the explosive backs you have and get some positive yards on first down. Take them out on second and third down, but keep a tight end in or keep a back in. Like you have a lot of weapons at the skill positions to keep people on their toes if you game plan it right. And that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying keep the six man in at all times, but on first down, check them in. Hey, let's go. Check them in. Let's run the ball. Barkley, Penny, six offensive linemen. We're going to get four yards right here. And I'm going to put my quarterback in a second and six, hopefully into a third and two. And now we're going to pick it up. The Patriots did that the entire game and did not break character. They knew who they were. They knew what they needed. They did it the entire game. And they won that game. That's coaching. All right, Giant fans, we have more still to come on today's show. But first, it's the most wonderful time of the year as college football gears up for its bowl season. The NFL playoff race is taking shape and the NBA and NHL seasons are in full swing. And no matter what sport you follow, BetOnline has you covered all holiday season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head on over to their new and updated desktop and mobile website at betonline.ag and sign up today. Use the special promo code Locked On, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. Don't wait to take advantage of all the special offers that they have. Sign up today, use our special promo code Locked On, and get your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. All right, Giant fans, more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, Bill Barr is going all out this to make this holiday season the most delicious time of year with a winter wonderland of a deal. Featuring new, amazing flavors such as the Bill Cray Bar, their amazing puffs and ruby chocolate, and lemon dip cheesecake. These and Bill's other amazing flavors are available right now. And when you use our special promo code LOCK15, you can save 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Customize your box any way you want. Save 15% off with the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com. You probably know that people are screaming for the Giants to clean house. Dave Gettleman, not just Dave, but the coaching staff now. All right, so now if you are uh, John Mara and Steve Tisch and you are trying to come to a solution on how to fix this team once and for all, do you take the patchwork approach? Do you sweep everybody out? Do you say, okay, you know what? Dave's only had two years with Joe Judge. We're going to keep him. Do you say, Dave, we love you, but have a nice retirement? Do you say, Joe, you're in over your head? What do you do at this point? Okay, well, here's the aggressive approach, right? But I I came into the season believing in Joe Judge. I no longer do. My confidence in Joe Judge is not there. Even in their um, field trip to Arizona here, you know, 
they said it was great to get away. Like, you know, if you hear the pregame chatter, it was great to get away. We connected. We got refocused. We're coming. And then, you know, if Rudolph doesn't rip off the longest, you know, run after catch in his career, they don't even have seven points today. So, you know, for me, I'm like, I don't see it in the coaching staff. And they have players. Like, they have skill position players. Their defensive front, except for, you know, Leonard getting hurt today, was all intact today. Um, You know, so, I again, I'm I'm struggling to save the coaches. And I do believe this team is maybe a draft away and a free agency period away of fixing this offensive line. And now they have some other cap issues coming in next year. I get it. But there's, I mean, Kevin Abrams is skilled at what he does, and he and he's well respected with the you know the the agents and negotiating contracts and renewing and doing some stuff. So I know Kevin and Ken Sternfeld over there, Mark Kantz, like they're all very respected and they can fix this easily. Having Dave at the helm, I don't think is is hurting them at all. I don't. It's I don't think he's made a bunch of bad decisions. I think this roster is laid out really well to win if you fix the offensive line and that's just the way it has to go and like i said you can't pay everybody it's just not possible dave believe you know gave a little extra belief into the offensive line than he should have and he should have attacked it more but again if you look at those wide receiver room it's stacked running back room is good you know the tight ends the two that we have they're good i don't like ingram we all know it don't like him. Is he a good player? He's a good player. But I'm not I'm not an Ingram fan, right? But our play calling this entire year with Jason Garrett to start now Freddie Kitchens is terrible. Mike Glennon is terrible. Um running the quarterback is terrible decisions. So if I'm John Mara, I look at decision making all the way up and down the board. So if, if 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 Mr. Mayor and Tish are really gonna you know have Dave ride off into the sunset, they they need to look at the entire room, and that's what's hard. I think that's why they brought Dave back because guys like Kevin and Sternfeld and and Kantz and different people that are in the building, Chris per, uh, Pettit, they don't want to get rid of them. They believe in those people. They believe in those guys, you know, doing their jobs. But if you if you get take if you take Dave off the head and you go outside the organization and bring somebody else in to run the team, that whole structure is going to crumble and it's going to be all different people in there. But would that be a bad thing though? I mean, come on, because look, I mean, five straight years of double digit losses. I mean, what is it? Eight of the last nine or seven of the eight, something like that, where they just haven't had a winning season. At what point do you say, look, this ain't working. You're walking you me down a road that I don't want to go, but you're gonna I make know. me say it. I know, but I, but you know, the how problem is here? the problem isn't Dave. It's not Dave. It's handcuffing Dave in ways in which most GMs aren't handcuffed. And again, when you look at the Jason Garrett coming to be offensive coordinator, that wasn't a Dave decision. That wasn't a Joe Judge decision. Okay, that was a decision made outside or above everybody's head. When you when you brought in Pat uh, Shermer, right, that wasn't necessarily a Dave decision. 
That was a decision that was, we're hiring the coach. Dave, you're going to work with who we hire. Cool. Dave can work with anybody. So whatever. He'll make any situation. Great. Cool. Let's do it. But then Shermer goes off board and he brings in the, the train wreck defensive coordinator here that we had in Arizona for so many years. And that guy, you know, convinces them that they're going to run a 43. Jerry Reese, like what a year or two before that, spent all this money on the 43 front and all the players and everybody to rebuild that 43. And he comes in and he wants to run a 34. Well, it takes time to transition over to 34 players. They're just not in the same locker room. 43 and 34 players are different locker rooms. And he says, oh, no, I'm going to use a hybrid and this and that. Then he's got DB coaches that have only coached in college. They've never coached players in the NFL. So they didn't know what they were doing. There's a lot of decision-making in that building that doesn't trace back to certain people. Like, again, if you hire me as a general manager, you're hiring me to run everything. As an owner, you hold me accountable for everything in that building. But if you're going to come in and make decisions underneath me or to undermine my authority and then hold me to that decision-making as mine, and then it's my job and my butt on the line. Oh, hell no. That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to work. That's probably why I'm not the general manager because <laughs> that ain't going to work. Like if, if, if Shermer would have told me that was the defensive coordinator he was bringing in, I was a GM. Nope. I know him. He does not run giant type personnel. Find someone else. That's not happening. And he can go sulk as a man and say, oh, I need to get my own step. No. That was your agent telling you who to hire because he got fired out here and nobody else was going to hire him. So your agent made that decision and it cost this organization wins and time and, and money in our pockets. See, I've been in this game long enough and I've seen all the deals and backroom deals and all the conversations I've heard them. I know them all. And I'm not one to put them all on blast, but I also know if I'm in that seat and I know my seat's going to get hot at some point because of decisions being made for me, I'm going to be involved in every decision. And I can tell you that GM at the New York giants, even when Ernie was a GM was not involved in every decision. That's not the way they do it there. Hmm. So that's how they did it with George young. He was involved in every decision. So you're saying they moved away from that. They are just, they are told and they are discussed with, but it's not the GM's decision. Okay. And I'm just saying football is a unique business and it's a people business. And when you know the people and you know who's involved and you know how they do things and how they run things, you have to be trusted to be able to make the call. And if Dave's a great trooper, Love him to death. He's a patient, more way more patient than I am. And he, you know, he loves the New York Giants. He loves the Tishes and he loves the Maris. But when you love something so much, sometimes you fall on the sword for the wrong reasons. And therefore, you know, you, for me, if you want to blow up the building, blow up the building. But that's going to take everybody out. Men and men and women who have been there for 20, 30, 40 years, which is why you go work for the New York Giants, because you know you can have a career there. It's not one of these fly-by-night type teams that changes every, every two years. 
that's why you're a giant man. That's why you're a giant woman. That's why you're a giant fan because the giants are stable. They're that's who they're supposed to be. Yep. Yeah, but David, they're not stable right now. They've they've been losing. I mean, that I get what you're saying. I understand it. Believe me, and I appreciate what you're st- you're saying. But if I'm a paying customer, and I'm I'm probably you know I don't mean to speak for everybody out there. So, folks, if I'm speaking for you out of turn, let me know. I'd be pissed off right now, to be honest with you. I don't want to hear, oh, I'm all about stability. I'm going to keep, you know, uh, you know, uh, Dave, you go and retire, but I'm going to keep Coons and, and Pettit and, and, and the guys, you, you, you know, Abrams and the people underneath you. They've been keeping the same group now. You know, you, at, at what point do you say, look, we changed over the head coach from Shermer to, to Judge. Um, we changed over the coaching staff. We changed the quarterback. We changed the coordinators, but we haven't changed the front office. So, at what point do you say, "Hmm, maybe it's the you know that's the common denominator here because we've changed everything else and it's not working." That's that's what I'm getting at here. You've changed from Reese to Dave. You've changed from Coughlin to somebody I don't even know. And then you got Shermer and then you got judge, but the common denominator might be the person making the decision on the changes, which would be ownership. And you can't get rid of them. No. So what but do you again, do? But what I'm saying is <clears throat> if you want to try something that's never been, that you're not doing lean on the football people before you make your next decision. Lean on the people that love that building and will fall on the sword and say, listen, it's not me. Go get this guy or go get that gal. Do this, do that. Listen to the people who love football and love that building. And then they'll walk away and you know what? They'll be happy to. It's to me, I don't believe in the coaching staff anymore. So if you're asking if if they hired me to evaluate this building, Okay, if they hired Maverick Sports Consulting to come in, which I do with not NFL programs, but other teams, and they say evaluate why we're not being successful, the evaluation the ownership would not like. Okay, and the and the evaluations the coaches would not like. Because when you you know we battle time tactics does not mean blaming personnel because my offensive line sucks. No, battle time tactics means I put a six man in and I'm going to figure out how to win the game because my job is to win the game. That's it. Plain and simple. We'll talk about the roster after the season and I'll, in my evaluation of personnel, I will put it in there. You heard when Coughlin left in his, his uh, press conference, he had nothing about person. He, he was uh, frustrated with the personnel decisions, right? So I get it. But again, this roster, if you take this roster right now and you compare it, to a lot of rosters around the other 32 teams, the other 31 other teams in this league, this roster has more players on it. This roster has people on it that can win the ball games. This roster is young in a lot of ways that they can build around. This is not a bad roster. I evaluate rosters every week for several shows and do my own show. We talk fluidly about rosters. This is not a roster and I know a lot of people who oh, are protecting Dave. No, I'm being honest. It's not a roster that's terrible. It's not. A, look at Jacksonville. That's a terrible roster. You want to look at a terrible roster? You don't think Jacksonville would love to have the New York Giants roster right now? Jacksonville would love that. Houston Texans would love to have this roster right now. The Bears would love to have this roster right now. 
the Detroit Lions would love to have this roster right now. I can go on and on and probably get 15 to 20 teams in before I start stumbling over teams that wouldn't like to have this roster. This roster is a good roster. So when you talk about changes that need to be made, the people that put the roster together, I can't blame because they screwed up on O line one element of this roster. The rest of this roster is not terrible. And there's a lot of teams, like I said, 31 other teams. I'll get to 10 or 11, 12 of them easy before I start running out of teams that wouldn't want their roster. And if you got a roster like that, you should be winning more ball games. So if I'm ownership evaluating it today, what I saw was not good coaching. You had Shepard. You didn't give him the ball until the freaking third quarter. You got Galladay. You're not getting him the ball. Shaq only ran the ball 16 times. You were up against a very powerful offense. You didn't keep him off the field. You didn't keep the ball in our offensive hands. That's play calling. That's decision-making. That's not putting the six offensive linemen in and going heavy and jumbo. You know, that's that. But, again, are they going to probably blow it up? That Dave will retire? Sure. He'll retire. They'll blow it up. We'll see what happens in two years from now. When we're talking about another coaching change, we'll keep talking about the decision-making. Tough times for giant fans and for us. And I know I'm it, it, every week's the same thing. And, you know, you talk about the roster and, and spoiler alert for, for those who are still watching at this point, <laughs> I'm going to go through the offense, the defense, the coaching, the front office, the conditioning staff, and, we're going to do um, a targeted show about whether to tweak to blow it up or leave it as is, because I have some thoughts on that. So that's coming up on the shows this week. We're going to start that on Wednesday. We'll do it Wednesday, Friday, and you know, Tuesday, tomorrow, of course, is Twitter Tuesday. And then Thursday I have to do the crossover show, but uh, yeah, we, it's time to start looking at that stuff. This roster isn't horrible, but there are areas that need to be reinforced. And I do agree with you, David, that some of the coaching decisions are just like out there and that they don't, you know, we talk about Freddie Kitchens not having a plan, just kind of calling plays like he's picking out names out of a hat. Um, so I agree with you on that. But, um, but look at the New York Jets. They would love to have this roster. This ro- Their roster is not the Giants are better than the Jets roster. Can't tell me that it's not. That's way. At the end of the day, they were all going to be home watching the playoffs. It seems. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying though. Oh, I. So better. Carolina Panthers would love to have the 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 Giants roster right now. Well, (laughs) I keep going. (laughs) I should have you do a poll and see. I wish you could take a poll and say, "Hey, would you like to have the Giants roster?" Maybe I'll do a poll here on 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 the Twitter channel. I don't know, but uh, anyway, um, David, as always, you know, great catching up with you great talking about the game even though the game was another stinker i do appreciate your input giant fans appreciate you as always if you're still watching at this point we appreciate it don't forget tomorrow twitter tuesday and like i said wednesday i'm going to start the uh the roster breakdown keep it dump it or tweak it um so i'm going to be doing that wednesday and friday thursday's a crossover show with the cowboys uh co-host i'm not sure if i'm getting marcus or or landon from that but uh busy week ahead as the giants 
come home and they have to get ready for Micah Parsons, David's guy and the Dallas Cowboys. So that ought to be fun. Maybe not, but anyway, appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for making the giant, the locked on giants podcast, your first listen of the day or your first watch of the day. If on YouTube for David Turner, I'm Patricia Trana. Thank you. And we will talk to you again tomorrow.